Today's podcast is brought to you by Gamefly.com. Sign up for a premium, free, 30-day, one-game-out trial specifically for Picture Lock listeners at GameFlyOffer.com slash PictureLock. It's Picture Lock on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Welcome to another episode of the world-famous award-winning show. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, filmmaker, film festival director, film critic, film publicist, and lover of film and TV. You can find all the back episodes and so much more at PictureLockShow.com. Guys, I've been telling you for a while now that I've been working on something. I'm finally uh, almost ready to announce it. I'm pretty excited. I've been working on this online course. It's called PR for the Indie Filmmaker, in which I'm going to give you a behind-the-scenes look from my perspective as an indie filmmaker, a film festival director, a film critic, and a film publicist, and help you with taking your independent film from pre-production to post, thinking about it from a public relations and marketing perspective. It's going to be the ins and outs of everything, guys. I'm really excited about it. already had some folks take the course, and they just loved it and found a lot of value from it. So uh, I'm not re- quite ready to give you know the, the official, official announcement, but please stay tuned. And if you're following me on social media, you'll definitely see some buzz um, in the next week or so. So I'm really excited about that because I've been talking for so long about I'm working on something. <laughs> and I'm finally getting it out there. But speaking of excitement, I'm really excited about this week's episode, which spans time in regard to the two interviews that I have for you. I did them separate times, maybe about a month apart, but there was a common thread amongst my guests that I could sum up in one word, survivor. So I decided why not do a survivor theme show as I talk with writer, producer, director of Scarapist, Jean-Marie Spacuza, and editor-in-chief of FanBolt, Emma Loggins. Both of these women were a blast to talk with, and I just love their backstory and how they took life and turned it into something positive, as you'll hear. So I decided, let's do a survival show, and along that theme, Michael B. Jordan has to survive in the ring in Creed 2. And I'm going to give my reaction to the trailer that just dropped. But plus, I've got the picture lot question of the week, and I think that one's going to be a fun one. That's all ahead on Picture Lock. Hey, everybody. This is Ted Adams, writer, producer, and director of Othello's Fine. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. You're listening to Picture Lock and in Scarapist, suburban novelist Lana becomes entangled in a web of perversity, insanity, and violence by her psychotherapist Ilsa. With the help of her minions, Ilsa sets out to destroy Lana and her family. In this showdown of good versus evil, who will win? I have someone that might know a little bit about that answer. The film's writer, director, producer, and actor, Jean Marie Spacuza. Jean, welcome to Picture Lock. Thanks, Kevin. It's so great being here. It's my pleasure having you. The first question I always start out with, Jean, when did you first fall in love with film? Oh, I first fell in love with film when I was still like a wee child. Um, my dad would watch all these like 
creature features and thrillers late at night and I would like sneak downstairs and hide because I knew I wasn't supposed to be watching them (laughs) and so I'd watch all these like the mummy return of the mummy I think one of the first real like cinema uh films I fell in love with was Audrey Hepburn and Wait Until Dark with Alan Arkin. Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was way too young to be watching this, but I just was like entranced with the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, like put it over the edge for me. I was like, I was like, I snuck up on my sister one time doing trying to re, like recreate the shower scene. She was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, I love I, it. I was bored. I was bored. I think for it. <laughs> Most definitely, you know the the funny thing is, Gene. Like when I was in elementary school uh, in the library, the books that I gravitated to were the behind the scenes making of uh, Frankenstein. There was one that I checked out all the time. It was Lon Chaney. Uh, the Man of a Thousand Faces. <gasps> I loved that too. All the story about how he created his characters, the makeup and everything. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. And like for Halloween, when you were trying to find ways to do like all the different like makeup or prosthetics or something, you'd look into how Lon Chaney did it. Yes, that is such a good reference, Kevin. We oh my are God. we are right here. My fingers are crossed. We're on the same page right now, Gene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you could mm-hmm. for the audience, let's just get a quick history lesson. How did you go from... You know, the girl that was sneaking downstairs to watch these creature features <laughs> to the woman that's directing Scarapus. How'd you break into the industry? This is a very big answer, and I'm going to try to be like as thorough, but also Brief. Not too lengthy. <laughs> right. I'll try to compact it, um, the compacted version. Um, I always loved the arts. When I was two years old, my great uncle made his living as a post-impressionist painter. I would look at his paintings before I could barely talk and think, I do that. Not like I want to or I'm going to, but I like it was already in me. I was like painting at four and five, wrote my first play at 10, became a mom at 16, um, gave birth to my daughter at 17, studied philosophy and psychology, wrote poetry, Uh, from the time I was like 15 years old. Um, And when I was in college studying philosophy, I learned about this woman, Hildegard von Bingen. I read the book and watched the movie about um, The Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco. And I was somehow, I was like, you can take everything you've ever done in your life and you can put that into cinema because cinema is dance, it's writing, it's acting, it's directing, it's every single art form you can imagine in one. So without having to limit yourself, you know, because it's visual art, it's everything, you can do it all. And I think that was the moment when I was about 22 going on 23 that I realized that I don't think I'm born to like live in the academic world. I think I have to make motion pictures, you know. Yeah, most definitely. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with a fellow passionate person for cinema, writer, director, <laughs> producer, actor, Jean Marie Spacuza. You know, Jean, uh, I want to jump into Scarapist. 
Um, but you know what I, I love about your story? Um, you know, you obviously you said you had your daughter at an early age. So from the timeline that you just gave, you know, it's five years later, you know, your daughter's five years old, but you're like, you know what, I got to go after filmmaking. And so that tells me a lot about you in particular right there. So hats off to you. Thank you. Yeah, most definitely. If we could jump into Scarapist, in your own words, uh, you know, what's it all about and what inspired you to write it? Oh, that's excellent. I, um, it's, it's at the heart of it. It's a story of like rage going through hell, manipulation, uh, forgiveness, evil, good, the, the, the great spiritual battle, um, (laughs) uh, and how do you unhook yourself from something that would entrap you in the worst part of yourself and beyond that, even into something that goes deeper, like into something metaphysical Um, that is at the heart of the scarapist. It is about, it's based on a true story of therapist abuse that I suffered Uh, from 2002 to 2005 that erupted in a lawsuit. And after I got through that, without even thinking the worst thing that's ever happened to me, I should make a movie out of it, a very good friend of mine who attended CalArts, a writer-director, said, you know, I'm a great writer. I could come up with this in like 40 years. This happened. You've got to, like, write this. You've got to write this in a month. I had, like, the first draft of the screenplay. I'd never written anything that quickly. Clearly, it wanted to come out of me. And I knew if I could share this story somehow, not only would this probably be my first movie, um, but it would be something that would touch other people. Gene, I'm just letting this all kind of sink in here, right? So just a second ago, Right. I, I complimented you on uh, obviously being a survivor, not knowing that when it said based on a true story on, you know, the, the poster for the Scarapist, it was based on your own story. Uh, yeah. And so, again, here I am. I'm just fascinated in the fact that you took lemons and made lemonade um, with the film, <laughs> which which, again, hats off to you. But I do think that, that that that's the one thing I do love about film. Right. Is that we can. We can take our life experiences and put it up on the big screen in either a playful way. And in, in this film, it's, you know, taking it to horror, but being able to positively use uh, maybe a negative energy and turn it into a positive thing. That's really cool. Absolutely. And see, I love that you're noticing that. That's something in you that clearly like sees that, does that, because the same for me. My whole thing about this, and that's another reason I wanted to create it, you know, this the, the real-life therapist was writing things in her notes, like this woman's movies are pipe dreams and stuff. I mean, she was, like, literally telling me that once I got through the therapy, I'd probably be successful simultaneously trying to, like, crush that success in the subtext of her notes. And yet, when you realize if you can come through something like that where someone is manipulating you on even unbeknownst to you like that, using hypnosis to like wear your will to a nub, you know, and then striking out at you and traumatizing you deliberately telling you to go on medication. You're like, no, 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 this is taking me down the darkest path imaginable. Instead being able to pull yourself out of something like that and then 
create art from it. I feel like I want to tell the world, you can do this too. And in fact, we need to do this as creators, as human beings, to keep ourselves human and to elevate that humanity. Most definitely. Couldn't have said it better. Jean, you know, uh, as obviously this film is deeply personal uh, for you. And so I'm wondering, it's out available a video on demand right now. Um, what has been the audience response to the film and what do you hope audiences take away from it? My favorite responses from people are like, we were speechless. We were blown away. We loved it. A couple of critics just fell head over heels for it. Um, you know, people calling it like, this is like the new noir. It's got psychological themes. It's got, you know, these dark themes of humanity, but it's also got this humor inside of it. Um, you know, one woman wrote to me and was like, it changed my life. And I was just like, oh my God. Like, so the response has been really strong, which I'm really happy about because as you can tell, I feel so deeply about it. Yeah. Um, right. And so that's been such a thrill for me. I've seen audience laugh, gasp, cry, you know, in the theaters. That's one of the things. That's why I still feel like movies still need theaters, even though we have all these wonderful other mediums of expression and ways to distribute. But to actually be with audiences and feel and see their reaction and share that with them, that was a blessing yeah. as well. So, I, you know, and now it's on Amazon Prime, um, an SVOD exclusive. So Prime members get it for free. It's also on Hoopla. So anybody with a library card can go and get it too. And then it's on iTunes. It's on uh, Google Play. It's on uh, many platforms. We've just, we've really enjoyed people's responses and from various places in the world too. Most definitely. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I've been talking with writer, director, producer, actor, Jean-Marie Spacuza of the film Scarapist. Uh, Jean, uh, I want to kind of wrap out here, um, but I know that you have another film, Night Rain. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes, we're actually in the late stages of post-production for Night Rain. We anticipate completing the film in 2018 and possibly within the next three months. Um, it's out to a couple of places already um, that I can't say too much about yet, but we're really excited about. We ran an Indiegogo campaign in June of 2016. It's been so successful. We're still getting contributions because we're in demand. Since we met our goal, we've more than doubled our original goal, by the way, on Indiegogo. So it has been really phenomenal to see people's responses to it. It's it's really about an actress producer and her company of young independent filmmakers in Los Angeles who are unwittingly hired by their own stalker to make a low-budget movie about a famous unsolved Hollywood murder from the 1940s and the victim of that murder that never really got her justice. And they discovered they are really the subjects of the terror. So we're very excited. It was shot on locations all over Los Angeles, including the very historic Biltmore Hotel. So we're very excited about it. Awesome. It sounds exciting. Um, Gene, as we wrap out here, uh, if people want to follow you guys on social media, find out more about your films, how can they do that? Oh, great question. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. 
Of course, there, I mentioned the Indiegogo for um, for Night Rain, and we've got Scarapist.com that lines up all the information uh, for the Scarapist and what platforms it's on, where people can find it. Awesome. Writer, director, producer, actor, Jean Maurice Bakuza of Scarapist. Thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock. Oh, it's been a, such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Kevin. All right, guys. Picture Lock's question of the week last week was, which family was the best sitcom family of all time? Now, I think this may have been too tough of a question for you guys as you shied away from it. But on the gram, at Anthem Cry said, the Brady Bunch. On Facebook, Thelonious Stanley said, married with children, Al was right. It was a steep drop from last week, but hey, I appreciate everyone who participated. It's all and fun. And so thank you guys once again at Anthem Cry on the gram and Thelonious Stanley on Facebook for giving your thoughts on last week's question of the week. So in the theme of surviving, this week's question is going to be a little more fun. So let's say one, two, Freddy's coming for you and you have one friend to keep you up, who would you pick to help you go to war with Freddy Krueger and why? Hit me up on social media or send me an email for your answer to this week's question of the week. Picture Lock is the name of the show. It's all about the movies in case you didn't know. Kevin's gonna take a look at all the trailers and tell you if the films will be successes or failures. The purpose of the segment is to help you to go watch them or just stay inside it's up to you you don't have to go you can spend the time with Kevin on the radio we got this you hear me in the ring you got rules outside you got nothing Life hits you with all these cheap shots. People like me, we live in the past. You got people that need you now. You got everything to lose. This guy's got nothing to lose. I ain't got a choice. That's the same thing your father said, and he died right here in my hands. Listen to me, this guy is dangerous. But you don't think I could beat him? live up to these expectations. I got, I got, I got, I got loyalty inside my DNA. You don't think you got your validation? I got loyalty, got loyalty inside my DNA. I got loyalty, got war and peace inside my DNA. I got power, poison, pain, and joy inside my DNA. I want to rewrite history. Don't pretend this is about your father. All right, folks, so you just heard some of the trailer for Creed 2, which just dropped this week. Um, and, you know, I, I have to say, my initial reaction to the trailer, I'm not really wowed by it. In fact, something in my spirit is just saying that, you know, this, they seem to be hiding the ball a little bit here. I'm not, uh, I'm just not sure it's going to pack the same punch um, that it did, that Creed 1 did. Um, obviously, Ryan Coogler is not on to direct uh, this time around and I'm really kind of sad because like everything that Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan do together is just incredible but uh, you know uh, let's get kind of into 
uh, this trailer. So, you know, from the jump, you're kind of able to see that our man Adonis is down for the counts. The thing about this trailer is that they're really establishing that there are some stakes, right? They're establishing that Adonis has a lot more to lose this time around. Uh, it looks like him and uh, my <laughs> on-screen crush, Tessa Thompson, AKA Bianca, have had a baby now. You know, time has moved forward since uh, we last saw Adonis. And uh, yeah, there's just a lot more for him to lose this go around. They say that in the trailer multiple times. Um, and obviously, this is kind of what we've all been waiting for since Creed 1 was announced. The fact that we could possibly see uh, Apollo Creed's son take on Ivan Drago's son. Uh, and so, you know, everything is leading up to that. And you know that that's looming in the background. But at the same time, there's just something that I don't know. It just, ah, oh man, it didn't grab me as much as, you know, this, the first trailer did. Um, and maybe, you know, my expectations are so high that I just got to bring it down a notch. One thing I did love and I loved about the first one is in regard to the music, we got Kendrick Lamar loyalty in the background. And uh, one of the things about the first uh, film was that the music really kind of supplemented the character. And so uh, automatically this, this song really is embodying the fact that, you know, for a person you can have so many different complex traits going on within yourself and I think that that is really uh, cool how they kind of put that in um, with Adonis because we know that like he can be a hothead but at the same time he can be you know just a good guy we know that uh, pride is is huge fight is huge uh, just in terms of his persona um, and so that's kind of some of the, that tug of war what's driving him whether it's his pride uh, or you know the love for his family and things like that you know I could get more deeper and deeper into it and I feel like what I'm actually kind of doing is uh, looking more at what I kind of think that the film will be about rather than this trailer so I'll kind of wrap this stuff up right now you know ultimately again uh, I feel like they might be hiding the ball a little bit this is the first trailer so I'm looking forward to seeing more come out again uh, a little bit disappointed that last scene when they kind of finally show okay yeah this is gonna be Ivan Drago's uh, son the way that that actor turned around and the camera frames up Drago on the back I, I don't know man it's just Let's hope director Stephen Capel Jr. brings his A-game on this. Um, you know, I actually looked up Capel, and uh, he's done some grownish episodes, uh, a film called The Land, which actually had a bunch of well-known uh, actors in its cast. However, I've never seen it. So uh, this, this week, you know, whereas last week and I think the week before, I was pretty excited about the films. This week, I'm just kind of like middle of the road. We need to see some more. And uh, I know you can't judge a book by its first trailer. So we'll see what happens. Let me know your thoughts on uh, the Creed 2 trailer. Did you like it? Are you excited about it? Obviously, Thanksgiving, it's going to be one that most of the family is probably going to want to go and check out. I will definitely be there to check it out. Crossing my fingers that it's just as good.
Let's take a quick break for promos. Stay tuned. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for listening to and supporting Picture Lock. I absolutely love film, as you know, and have given my life to studying the medium. As a filmmaker, I understand what it takes to make a film from its inception to the big screen. As a critic, I've been able to see the business of film from the marketing side of things. And as a film festival director, I've been able to see the distribution side, but more importantly, the enormous amount of talented filmmakers out there creating and crafting stories from their heart. And that's why I've started Picture Lock PR. If you're a filmmaker or producer looking to engage audiences and create relevance around your latest or upcoming project, head over to PictureLockPR.com. We can help you with your film's publicity from pre to post-production. Get more information and see the clients we've helped in the past at PictureLockPR.com. PictureLock PR. Finally, a partner as passionate as you. For you, the listeners of Picture Lock's podcast, Gamefly is offering a premium free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I used to play PlayStation a ton pre-kids. I had money to buy the latest game out, but I really don't have the time or money like I used to to give towards my hobby. That's why Gamefly makes so much sense. For a low monthly fee, I can get the latest console and handheld game delivered to my door. I keep it as long as I want and can send it right back to get a new one. The cool thing is, if you like a game so much that you don't want to send it back, you can keep it for a low use price. There are never any due dates or late fees. To get your free trial today, go to GameflyOffer.com slash PictureLock. Again, that's GameflyOffer.com slash PictureLock for your free 30-day trial. Like a child, resting deep, you don't know what you give me. Hi, this is Mark Schwab, the writer-director of the feature film Shadows in Mind, and you are listening to Picture Lock. Hi, I'm Dean Rogers with TheRogersReview.com, and you're listening to Picture Lock. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, and I'm so excited to have my next guest on today. Like, she does it all, ladies and gentlemen. She has a, a blog, a podcast. She travels, travel blogger. It's ridiculous how much she does. So I'm so grateful to be able to have her on the show. I have Emma Loggins, the founder and editor-in-chief of Fanbowl. Emma, welcome to Picture Lock. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I am definitely excited to have you. First question I always start out with, Emma, when did you first fall in love with film? 
Oh man, it's so hard to um, to pinpoint that moment for me. You know, I'm a, a product of the '80s, and I grew up with so many '80s classics that just engulfed my world. Um, I was obsessed with Disney movies as a kid. It was like literally the highlight of my summer. I'd get the soundtrack. You know, I still remember like vividly the soundtrack coming out the end of May. Me listening it to it on my Walkman until the, the movie came out around like June 20th, and then like me going to see it as many times as I could. Um, but I wasn't I, I wasn't just like a, a, a hardcore Disney fan. I was obsessed with anything in the sci-fi space, the adventure space. Um, you know, Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones was my first crush, which is also, I think, what kind of made me become obsessed with film. <laughs> um, I don't I don't really see, you know, uh, like film is a part of me. Like my love for film runs so deep that I, I don't even see it as something separate from myself. Um, it was just always such a cool thing to be able to escape into this this magical world and, and live this life as a character and, you know, explore something that I otherwise never would have been exposed to. So, you know, every movie is really like it's it's like story time for me. It's just a magical escape into this foreign world that um, it's just something that I love. And I think that really my my love for film at such an early age is what really made me become a huge fan of art and you know feeling this need to be creative and you know I started making like radio shows slash podcast when I was like five on a cassette recorder mm -hmm. and you know interviewing my parents who were like totally annoyed with the fact that I was always running around with this thing or with a giant camcorder um you know filming things and it's just uh the my love of film has just been a basis of of really everything that my life has turned into i feel you on that and um you know i love the fact that you talked about you know vhs tapes uh and how that was such a big like you're <laughs> dropping these different technologies that like <laughs> the walkman and then remember when the walkman turned into like the portable cd player and you were balling then Oh, yeah, that was I have I still have my entire CD collection because it's like <laughs> you spent so much money on that. And I have like hundreds of CDs. I don't want to just throw them away, even though I have, you know, my Spotify and my iTunes. Right. Exactly. But uh, I I still have like uh, just huge containers of them. And I still have my um, it was uh, I have a Walkman that I got from I think it was like Home Alone. He had that. Um, like Walkman that he could talk into and record and I still have that and it's kind of like I, I look at that and I'm like oh that's where my love for like you know podcasting was born from. <laughs> nice yeah you know it's funny because I, I keep like all that old technology in this uh, drawer just in case I need it for a film so I too have like you know the old CD portable CD player um, and like even like a beeper just in case like <laughs> I need to use it one day so I can relate. So uh, if you could for the audience, let's get into your backstory. Um, how did you actually kind of get go from the girl that had the crush on Harrison Ford to <laughs> <laughs> the girl that's running her own you know uh, empire? Um, well, for me, it's, uh, it really kind of, this sounds sad. I don't mean it to sound sad, but um, I had a really bad high school experience. I was bullied a lot and I didn't have a lot of friends. So, you know, um, film and television really became even more of an escape for me because I could get away from all of that stuff that was happening at school. And I wanted to celebrate that. I wanted to um, <clears throat> make a, a place where 
other people could come and, and kind of come together over their love of fandoms and be able to celebrate, you know, these, these films and these TV shows that were able to, to give them that escape. And I started my first, um, my first real website in 98. And, um, I started, I started a slew of them like from there. And I had, I had ones for like really embarrassing ones, like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and all of that typical, <laughs> like nineties teenage girl stuff. And then, um, the first one that I, I got really passionate about was, um, for a show called Roswell, which aired on the WB in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands. Mm-hmm. And, um, I made a website for it and I realized, you know, as I was getting into this and realizing that it was actually something that I really loved doing, like I loved coding and I loved designing and it was kind of blending both parts of my brain together that, you know, the left side and the right side, I could be technical, but I could still be artistic. And, um, I realized, you know, that was going great until it was very clear that the show was going to be canceled. And I was like, well, <laughs> you know, you, you pour your heart and your soul into something and then it's just, you know, it's over and, you know, the snap of a finger. So like, this wasn't a good plan. <laughs> so um, at that at that point, I started Fambolt in um, March of 2002. And I uh, started it initially as kind of a big message board community. And then I built these kind of sub sites off of it for various TV shows um, with the hopes of, you know, if one show gets canceled, well, I still have these sites for these other four shows and they're all feeding into this database. And it was the very early days of, um, SEO and I was really able to somehow uh, manage to game the system almost in a way because I had a site for um, the OC which actually ranked above the official site for the OC on Google for a solid three years which still blows my mind Um, but that was able you know having these sites for for shows like the OC and Everwood and Supernatural and Gossip Girl and you know um, all feed into this one site helped me to bring in you know, uh, all these different fan bases that then if a show was canceled, I wouldn't just lose that fan base because chances are they're interested in one of the other things that are going on on the site. So this was more sustainable (laughs) to me. I could hold on to what I was building instead of just wave goodbye to it when I got canceled. Um, But uh, so, yeah, all of that was going really well. And I, you know, I went into college in, um, uh, uh, the fall of 2002 and decided to major in, in web design. And so I was doing a lot of this for like school projects, but then like also just doing it for fun. So it's kind of two birds, one stone scenario. And um, in 2004, I think it was 2004, 2005, I got approached by um, Warner Brothers who were, even though the OC was airing on Fox, it was made by Warner Brothers. And they approached me about running um, a part of their official uh, fan club site for the show. And I like freaked out because here I was this, you know, girl living in Atlanta, Georgia, and <laughs> LA was contacting me to, to, to run part of the site. And so um, they gave me my own blog on the, the official site, which was amazing. And I got to do that until the show ended in 2007. 
And I really just made the most out of every connection I could with that. You know, I was getting chances to kind of be like the the fan that spoke about the OC. And I was making all of these connections and then, you know, trying to spin that into other content opportunities for fan bolts. And all of that was working really, really well. And I had a, a great relationship going with Warner Brothers and started doing, you know, um, DVD reviews and um, film reviews and all of that when I was working with them with the OC and that just kept going after the uh the series ended and I started um kind of getting more into the convention culture uh which I really don't feel like started um at least not in the 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 grandness that it is today until social media became a huge thing Mm -hmm. and you know now we have conventions for virtually every show and comic cons 150,000 people every year and um so I started going to those and this year I'll actually be my my 10th comic con but um my experience in doing all of that then got the attention of um Walker Stalker Con which is the the Walking Dead convention and then of course their their other convention Heroes and Villains Fan Fest and I started doing some tech support for them on their websites and then traveling with them to be able to do, you know, interviews or moderate panels or, you know, help however I could on site at a, at a convention. And it just, it just spiraled into so many opportunities out of that. You know, I had tourism boards coming to me, you know, for Ireland and Scotland and saying, Hey, come over here and highlight these filming locations for, you know, Star Wars and Harry Potter and Outlander and um, being able to, travel which is one of my hugest passions and be able to highlight locations that were you know used in film and tv shows which is another huge passion and it was everything even though it seemed so vastly different um all all supported each other because i'm doing all of this stuff but then i also run a a digital design agency where i'm doing web design and, and marketing for clients that are in and around the entertainment space so it's everything was really kind of cross supporting each other and and no day is ever the same every day is drastically different and it's it's just been an incredibly rewarding experience it's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, and I'm talking to a woman who knows how to turn lemons into lemonade. It's the founder <laughs> and editor-in-chief of Fanball, Emma Loggins. Emma, you know, I love your story because, um, man, it, it, it was, I, I luckily, you know, this is radio, so people couldn't see me get teary-eyed when you're like, this is sad. Um, but, but I want to, I want to, I want to camp on that for a second because seriously, like, um, I, you know, I do my research for our interview. I, I've heard you talk about um, that in an interview before. And I think that's super important because for like the nerd that's listening to the podcast right now, like it's okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can use like the, like you said, you kind of went to TV and film as a way to, you know, um, get away from things. And that wound up actually uh, kind of being a passion of yours. And so it's one of those things where I, I mean, I too relate. Like, I don't think I had a, a horrible bullying experience. I think in middle school, those are the, the toughest years, as they say, where bullying and cliques and stuff like that are really kind of formed. And uh, so it, it's, to me, I just feel like it's such an important message to that kid that's not feeling good about themselves. So I just love that, that part of your story. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's something where I think when you're in it and, you know, other people tell you like, it's okay, it's going to get better. You never (laughs) really believe it. You're like, no, it's not. You don't understand. 
Um, but it's, it's now, you know, if I hadn't have gone through everything that I did there, there's no way that I'd be, you know, where I am today. So I'm incredibly grateful for the experience. And it's, it's been kind of funny to me to watch this kind of evolution of geek culture where it's like, if you were a fan of like sci-fi stuff or comics, like in the nineties, like, like you were like the stereotypical nerd geek that had no friends and you got made fun of for it. But like now, like something happened along the way with like Marvel and DC and Star Wars. And now it's like cool to be a geek, which is awesome. Like I'm, I'm really glad that that's the case, but it, it's just been kind of crazy to, to watch the evolution of this. You know, one of the many things that I get made fun of for is now like the most popular thing, like on the face of the planet in terms of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I, I think is, like you said, like it's, it's really funny how that kind of, has turned out and and worked. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, some kids are going to be mean, but I think that, like, if you're able to, I mean, definitely sometimes it's just that that home life, like you said. I remember when my parents would always be like, you know, high school is just for a short amount of time and it doesn't seem like it. And then, boom, like, I'm married with two kids. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's crazy. So, all right, to get back to it, I just wanted to highlight that really quickly. I think it's awesome. But um, getting back to uh, FanBolt, um, one, I just wanted to, if you could, like, just kind of tell people what they can expect to see on the site when they when they go there because I feel like you, you hit not only movies and TV but a few other things. And then let's go into the Atlas podcast. Okay. Fanbolt um, <clears throat> is really, I mean, it's about geek culture at its core. So it's, um, and it's very editorial in style. Like everything is very opinionated and, and that's, that's the way I like to do it. Um, because I want my passion and my enthusiasm for what I'm writing about or, or what my writers are writing about to, to come across in the content. So we're all, you know, it's, it's by the fans for the fans type content. And um, that covers everything from film and television to travel and gaming and food and really anything that you could geek out and be passionate about. Um, you know, I just saw Hamilton last week. So that's, you know, one of the reviews that are up on the site and my, my love for Broadway shows. Um, so it's, it's basically just um, celebrating different types of fandom. And that can be anything from, you know, entertainment to travel to, to food. And it's a, it's a little bit of everything. I, I hope that when people come to the site, it's just, it's a lot of positivity and it's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, full of suggestions for things that you can go and do or experience or if you're traveling to a certain place you know what restaurants you need to visit or you know you can turn down this alley and then be in a, a place where they filmed a scene from you know Harry Potter or something so it's it's just all things geek culture yeah I love how you um have kind of mixed your love for film and tv with travel in terms of hey if you're traveling to this spot or location you can look out for, you know, X, Y, Z, like you said, the alleyway uh, in Harry Potter, um, which I think is it makes like your travel fun where you can kind of incorporate that um, and definitely put it on the gram. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So you have uh, a podcast, an Atlas podcast. Could you let the audience know a little bit about that? 
Sure. Um, so the Atlas podcast, the genius behind this, I'm, I always I always point this out because I'm so proud of it. Um, the name Atlas, it's it's all things entertainment, but it, there is a heavy focus on Atlanta because it's, um, you know, we have such huge filming incentives here for the state and we have, you know, Marvel is here, Walking Dead is here. So many shows and, and films are, are done here. So um, that's a huge part of what we highlight on the podcast because of the 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 geeky nature of things that film here. Um, so Atlas, obviously the first three letters are ATL. Um, that's why those they're capitalized, but it's still everything. So it's the Atlas. That's, I was just so proud of that name. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you took a moment to geek out on the name. That's <laughs> no, I, I always do that. It's, uh, it's, I'm just, I, I, I still think it's one of like the most genius like brandings I've ever done. Um, but it's, uh, it started with me and a guy that was working for Atlanta movie tours. And I think we did the first probably 50 episodes together, um, you know, doing film reviews and, you know, highlighting filming locations here in Atlanta or kind of local Atlanta news or focusing on conventions and me kind of telling my stories of travel and, and bringing in my interviews that I was doing for, um, either doing with traveling with the conventions or doing here locally with press junkets that came through to promote various films. Um, so it was um, great for those, those 50 episodes. And then he ended up moving on and I brought in two other co-hosts. Um, I think it was around like episode 55 or 56, um, two other film critics in the, the Atlanta market, uh, Matt Rodriguez with Shake Fire and Mike McKinney with the CW Atlanta and Last One to Leave. And they've been with me ever since. And we, our last episode that we um, recorded was episode 100. So we've, we've got a hundred episodes under our belt and we've gone on a, a short summer hiatus. We're coming back um, in the beginning of July and we're going to be coming back with a bunch of Comic-Con stuff and a bunch of, you know, going into the new fall season and the, the summer blockbusters and all of that will be, you know, back in July. But uh, it's just been such a fun experience to, um, you know, be able to, to geek out with those guys who are, you know, two of my best friends over this entire space, which we love. And what I love, too, is it's, it's really, you know, fandom brings together so many different types of people that otherwise never would know each other, never would have met, you know, wouldn't have anything in common. And, you know, Mike is in his late 50s and um, oh, Matt's not too much younger than me, but I don't think you'd ever find the three of us probably hanging out if we hadn't found each other, you know, through this mm. um, because our paths otherwise never would have crossed. And, you know, now we, we talk every day. We see each other multiple times a week. We do this podcast together and they're literally two of the, the best people I know. Um, so it's it's just a, a celebration of, of geekdom and entertainment and Atlanta, but not limited to just Atlanta. <laughs> it's Picture Rock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I've been talking with the founder and editor-in-chief of Fanbolt, Emma Loggins, uh, who also, Fanbolt has been making love connections more than Match.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. But I, I did hear that um, you, your, your site did bring two people together that got married. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I think we've actually had a few more than I actually know about. <laughs> but uh, it was a couple of our, our message board members um, back in the early days, like 
circa 2002, 2003 that actually met on the message boards and, you know, just kind of became friends on the site and then later got married. And there's so many stories of that that I see, especially with friendships, like friend, like people that go on vacation together now and, you know, they talk every day and they're best friends still. Um, but the, the couple that got married, that's just like, um, that's like the best feeling in the world to know that like I somehow played a part in those two people coming together and and you know finding a life together it's just amazing right so if uh if if they have a daughter then they they'll name her Fanny and if uh, it's a boy they'll name him Bolt right <laughs> I hope so I need to follow up on this and see see where things stand I, I know they're still together but I'm not sure the kids situation I nice. need to check Uh, Awesome. Well, uh, it's been great talking to you and we could definitely talk forever, but um, just kind of wrapping things out. I know you do have uh, Women's Business Daily. Um, If you want to just quickly just let folks know about that, but then um, let people know how that they could follow you online, social media, etc. Sure. Um, so Women's Business Daily is a um, online blog where you can go and find information about starting a business and kind of other kind of obstacles or issues that people face when starting a business. My, my goal with that site really was to um, create an information source for um, millennial female entrepreneurs that, you know, are scared about taking the leap into starting their own business, but it's something that they felt really passionate about and it was their dream and they wanted to follow it. Um, so I was trying to create a resource base that would have really helped me, you know, helped me along the way when, when I was getting started. Um, so I hope that that's, you know, what the site provides to, to people that come and, and visit it. And it's, it's doing great. Like traffic wise, it's, it's doing um, just under what Fanbolt is doing. And it's only been around for, for a handful of um, years. They started it in May of, oh, it hasn't even been around for two years yet. So, <laughs> wow. um, so yeah, it's, it's doing great. And it's just something that allows me to, you know, give, give us something, give a little something back to, um, you know, the community of people that are, are looking to pursue their passions and, and start their own businesses. Um, so I have that. And then, of course, um, you can follow me online at, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any site I'm at. It's Emma Loggins. And um, I'm, I'm probably more active on, on Twitter and Instagram than any of the others. But uh, that's those are the best places to find me. Awesome. Emma Loggins, founder and editor-in-chief of FanBolt. Thanks so much for coming on PitchRock. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's all for this episode. I'd like to thank my guests, Jean-Marie Spacuza and Emma Loggins, for coming on the show. Be sure to catch up on back episodes of the podcast and subscribe in iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry, wherever you catch your podcast. If you're a fan of Alexa skills, just say, Alexa, play Picture Lock and tune in, and I'll come right up. Feel free to leave a five-star review of the show as well. I appreciate those. You can find Picture Lock on most social media. All social media is at Picture Lock Show. Be sure to follow me on the Stardust app to get my quick movie TV and trailer reviews. Just look up at Picture Lock Show and I'm right there. Watch back episodes of the TV show at youtube.com slash show and subscribe. I am so excited to kind of be done with this course, even though I'm transitioning a little heavier into DC Black Film Festival, which is coming up pretty soon here. I'm excited to get back to doing some reviews online and hopefully I can get that out to you guys consistently. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out a form on the website. 
This week's question of the week once again is, who would you pick to help you go to war with Freddy Krueger and why? Send me an email and let me know at pixelockshow at gmail.com or on any of Pixelock's social media pages, and I'll talk about it on the air next week. All music is done by Mike S. The Prophet 13. Thanks, bro. I'm Kevin Sampson, and until next time, I hope you stay locked on film. <laughs>